Hello, and welcome back to the JRB Podcast with myself, Ryan Levine, joined here by Jeff Jones and Bowden Temnick. What's up? It's been a minute. It has it has been a while um, for various reasons. We've kind of all been, uh, you know, the two fiftieth happened. Uh, Bowden went to London, um, and then there were just other. We events. all have yeah. bad mental health. All right, let's just, let's yeah. Go. All of us have mental health problems and didn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. So the first thing uh, I, I kind of talk about today. So first of all. Um, I appreciated all the all the comments in the last one that we did when we talked. We talked about Vanquish Soul in the last. That was a while ago. Oh my god, that was a month ago. We've really been neglecting this, anyways. But you know, a bunch of people said the cards they were looking forward to. Um, since then, the last Vanquish Soul card has been revealed, and it was nothing like we thought it would be. And it well, it is a consistency spell card, but it's doesn't have Vanquish Soul in the name, so you can't search it off of. the... Oh yeah, that card. That card's neat. Yeah, but anyways. Oh, yeah, um, yeah but not work. quite yeah it was e-telly but not searchable off the spell so the spell search girl doesn't it's weird but we'll talk about that when those cards actually come out in the tcg or you know no cg then we'll talk about the well they're out but anyways when it's relevant for us again we'll talk about them again but so real quick uh just to go over go over the 250th which was at this point you know over a week ago um well yeah uh what was was really anything to take away from it? Like Kashira won two of them, and Sprite won the third one, mm-hmm. and like Kashira was most of top cut in all of them. Like nothing unexpected, yeah. right? It like it's it's alarming. I think the conversion, um, well, I, maybe not even the conversion. I think like it was like pretty, pretty even based on like uh, like round one deck representation into top thirty two for like most events from like the information mm-hmm. that we did have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, there was something interesting that I like randomly got uh, someone mentioned it to me is that they have a program for the people in like the, the feature match area. So like the commentators and the people picking the feature matches and you can just like search individual cards and it'll bring up every deck list, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, well, like it's expected, right, with like online deck list submission. But I, I think like they probably have so much like data from these events with online decklist submission that they can probably do some really cool things with the ban list solely off that alone, even though we know that probably won't happen. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, that's so that in mind. technically they've always had access to deck lists, but I see, but I know yeah. what you mean in but that it's way just, easier like, to, type to, it to in quantify and it. it. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like because all deck lists are submitted um, online, I guess, except for Latin American events are not online but uh for all north american and european events um yes since all the deck lists are online the data is much ease is much more easily parsed and they can yeah. probably see but, like much clearer they, pictures they pull, than they like, could wide before scope that you can probably like you know just see at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. through like uh random coding i, yeah. I think it's like but, you know it's something that you expect to be a thing but um you know just knowing it wasn't how, the case like, until this year yeah 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 pretty much so and yeah i do hope i mean master duel also probably although it's not applicable to the tcg format because it's kind of on an eight month delay at all times Mm. um i'm you know i imagine the way that they hit things also is much more database because they just have so much just such a higher you know density of games being played Mm. 
um, that they can really see which cards are problematic. And we've kind of seen them in Master Duel hitting a bunch of the cards that are just the highest win rate cards. They've been doing it for Duel Links for a while now too. But um, yeah, I would hope that they'll look at the data and now not just by archetype, but by like, you know, specific cards being played because now it's much easier for them mm. to do that. And then maybe we'll see more more tangible hits on the on the list because mm -hmm. of that. But uh, the next event is Syac legal i believe i don't believe are there any like nationals in latin america or europe before syac um i don't think there so. is i don't I know think they that thought that. about the same time yeah so they're, like, they're it, all like uh they're like there's like a time frame between like may and then like june i think the last nationals in june is like the 17th yeah so there's yeah. only regionals now for the hypernova season yeah and then mm -hmm. everything else all the, the the next premier event i believe is going to be Syac. So I don't, you know, it's maybe early to declare this format over, but it's like, even if we don't, you know, we could get a list. And even if we don't, it's a new set with a lot of cards that we have talked about um, previously. Yeah. The, yeah. So like Syac has a my, lot my of strong issue cards. With all of that is the more I look at everything, the more you sort of just hate Castero. Yes. Which is, which is really funny. Gatekeeps like, a lot of decks. Yeah. I agree. Well, we were so welcome to like, uh, like such a powerful deck like Kashtira coming into the format because you went from like tier where you know the innovation level is kind of low to like yeah. the current list where it's like yeah there's a wide range of decks and you have Saya coming out where there's like oh here's a couple more decks that you can play that are good but again and I I, I feel like I've said this every time I've talked to someone like I talked to Lithium <laughs> I talked to Max I said every deck that comes out nothing is strictly better Everything plays the exact same power yes. level, which is just, like, ridiculously oppressive. It'll do something crazy on, like, turn one, or it's completely unplayable into the opponent's board, or, like, a rise hot, right? And that, that's just, like, all it is. So, like, you just have to build your deck in these really awkward ways. I think Jeff put it best when he talked about Droll and Lockbird, where he's like, anytime Droll is good, you know the, the format is shitty. <laughs> and then, that's, yeah. like, a big one. And I think that's, that's the same thing. It's like, is Yu-Gi-Oh good? Because there's a lot of, like, viable decks. Yeah, no, of course. Like, but that's not good in like the competitive aspect because you you literally have to sit there and play a guessing game and burst like the wrong half of the field and like try and offset it certain ways. And like your tournament experience probably just won't, you know, go the way you want it to. Or it will yeah. and like everything's great and you'll sing your praises of the format. But yeah. No. So what I we've talked about this many times, but I think now I've said it enough that I can summarize it much more uh succinctly. I do not like the formats where there are like 10 different decks that are all doing such drastically different things. Your tournament mm -hmm. feels like it's determined by what matchups you're just playing against. I also think well, it's decks... when everything's so powerful, yeah, right? No, like that, everything that, that, is that just too, like too. ridiculous. But, yeah, but it's also it's so when there's only one deck, I see why people think it's boring. I've enjoyed some of the one deck formats. Like obviously I very much enjoyed Spiral. I did not much enjoy Zodiac. And I think tier mirrors were pretty fun at like the top level, but I see how it gets exhausting. And towards the end of it, I can see how it does get boring and we do need changes. My favorite formats, I think the formats I had the most enjoyment just playing the game are formats like 2015 after all the WCQs where there mm -hmm. were like, I'd say Necroz and Burning Abyss were the two best decks. And then there were some viable decks being Shadal, 
um, Clifford, and then if you go a little, you know, R- Ritual Beast, and if you go a little bit lower than Teller Knight, like post uh, post Jin? post no. Jin Ban, yeah. I yeah, yeah, those are that I like, I like that too. is my yeah. favorite where and and what I think are so good about those formats is there are there are not so many decks that you cannot be prepared for a tournament and yet there are enough decks that have different play styles that no matter how you like to play the game there is a deck for you it might not necessarily be your favorite deck but there will be a deck that fits your play style, right? Like if you don't like the way Necros plays, you can try to play BA. If you don't like how BA plays, you can play Clifford. If you don't like how Clifford plays, you, you can play Shadal. And if none of those decks do it for you, I'm sorry, I don't know what you want. <laughs> you know, like also, those those like decks all play very, very well. differently. <laughs> well, so, so like this is more hindsight, right? Yeah. But like you look at it and so that's the thing. Back then people were just like, oh man, like it, it's, it's, it's very funny to, to look back on because like we're complaining now of like, uh, everything's just doing like all these crazy things blah 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 yeah. but like back then it looked like everything was doing crazy things like relative to what oh, the game was maybe but it a just year before but it just right? yeah but it just wasn't i know what you mean <laughs> it, yeah no it just wasn't like looking back on it it's like i feel a lot better if my like do i feel bad if my opponent resolves shit all fusion and gets crazy value sure however it wasn't as game breaking as you know like the it was current like a plus two format yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah it's like it it's like there was, there was a lot of there was a lot more playback um i yeah. think the, the other one that we always talk about is like oh necros of trishula are so oppressive blah 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 but it's like no you, you sort of just didn't care um <laughs> after a while like if you weren't if you weren't playing incorrectly you usually were like able to get trish or like baited them to trish you and it was just like usually the incorrect play at the time yeah. as well i think the the only real oppressive thing um that i think stood out for me in that format specifically similar to like what a rise hot was was maybe Unicor. like unicorn yeah yeah and sometimes Flossalis, but not to the same extent unicorn yeah, was probably the biggest one yeah yeah and Which then you is had something... your obvious like flood you had your floodgates in like ba and ritual yeah. beast and Flipboard and stuff like that but that was that was whatever that was More manageable because those decks could never kill you when you got turns right yeah. whereas like a lot of the decks now that uh can floodgate you um you're just you dead in two, yeah, you're just dead in two turns. Yeah. Like even even like yeah, Labyrinth or like to go back a little further, even like Eldritch should just be like they floodgate you and then Golden Lord's almost four thousand attack. Like you die in two turns. Like you will get one additional draw phase to draw the out, and if you don't, you are dead. And like mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. back then that's not really what happened. Uh you you know, like you got like two or three turns, sometimes even more, depending on what you could do. But yeah. So Well yeah. Well to be fair, like I, I do remember like uh, watching Jeff, like, when he would play the Shadol deck, mm-hmm. and I think, like, the Shadol deck had, like, more reach than a lot of the other decks as well. That mm-hmm. was, like, the other scary thing. That was sort of, like, the the evolution of, oh, hey, like, this deck can play Floodgates, and it can sort of, like, kill you. I guess Clifford sort of maybe had that argument, too. It, it just never felt like I was ever dying, because I feel like the cards you were summoning were mostly just, like, not as ridiculous, right? Like, you're summoning a bunch of cliff monsters or like you have towers and a guy it's yeah. like uh like that that's gross but uh, i don't know hindsight 2020 uh yeah so <laughs> so with with Syak coming out and as you mentioned just bringing all of these you know like it brings a bunch of new cards a bunch of new new decks and it and it makes me think back to not too long ago about a year ago with mm-hmm. uh dimension force and that yeah. set wasn't a crazy high power level but it just brought a couple more 
decks on the fringe of viability. And that was when we just had like six different decks that just fiber scythed you, you know, and like that was the format. And it's like, you can, you know, know, like on the very surface level, you can look at it and be like, there are so many decks. There's like the adventure synchro decks. There's like punk decks that might also play adventure. You know, there's like sword soul, um, there's branded. And then it's just like, okay, but almost all of these decks are just trying Mm -hmm. to floodgate you and kill and just prevent you from playing, (laughs) you know, like it's just not like all of them kind of just have the same win con and go about it differently. So they lose to different cards when they try to achieve the same thing. And it's just a very frustrating play pattern in general. Um, so I'm hoping Sayak doesn't turn into that. Um, and I'm kind of fearful that post battles of legend, when we get assault synchron, um, if there's a list that that answers Kashira and not much else, I am kind of afraid that we'll just see a ton of different flavors of Combo weird sync weird synchro combos with the super heavy samurai stuff and the assault synchrons and the bistrals and the mana domes and just like it's yeah. just all gonna be a different coat of paint on the same. Like every deck will make six level 10 synchros and you'll just kind of sit there twiddling your thumbs and be like, yeah, (laughs) you know, and that'll be it. Um, Which I am kind of not necessarily looking forward to, but we'll see. Obviously there's a lot that can change between the biggest thing. The biggest thing with that though, Mm -hmm. is if you look at the event schedule, there is a, like a lull in, in June of like almost no events. I Mm -hmm. I think actually, mm, Probably just nationals, right? I think the national yeah, schedule got posted June 17th, today. June 17th, I think, is like the last national event, like I said before. Yeah. So you could have um, Cyberstorm Access be legal for Philadelphia and, and uh, Santiago. And then it'll end up just being like, oh, these are problems from Cyberstorm Access. Let's like, you know, amend them by june 10th or something you know what i mean like it it just doesn't matter i think that's like the other wild thing where it's like there's all these like arbitrary rules that like aren't necessarily rules that have to be followed of like oh national season well this should be the same season as like oh it's the same ban list as uh all the wcqs like all the wcq should be the same ban list haha you you know what i mean just like all these weird ones nah like if there's a problem I think you should fix it as soon as you can yeah. and try and like put a list out. Like if you sit down and play Philly and there's just a bunch of like super heavy samurai FTK, like going wild that, you know, then maybe you should just ban, ban or any, <laughs> any or all of the cards that are facilitated. But uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so I guess one thing I do want to transition into um, is I don't really want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh specifically for the next big chunk of this. Um, the three of us have all been, I guess not so different games, we've all been learning new card games um, in the past month or so, uh, maybe two months. Uh, I believe you and Jeff have been trying to pick up Battle Spirits. Um, I just started playing the My Hero card game. And I want to take this opportunity to kind of share our experiences with, with getting into new games. Because something that, uh, when I was coaching a lot more often, um, that I would get asked a lot would be something like, how do you, how do you approach getting into a game? And that was always such a weird question for me because I haven't gotten into a game since 2006, you know, like that was, that was when I got into Yu-Gi-Oh really. 
Um, and I know for you two, it's even longer than that. And the environment surrounding, uh, you know, all these communities has changed so much that it's very, very different. So I do kind of want to share our experiences with how we've been approaching getting into new games and hopefully, you know, you can translate this experience. If you're just getting into Yu-Gi-Oh! or you haven't been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! For, for that long, you know, within a couple months or years, or you are also trying to get into some of these new games uh, that are all coming out, because there are a lot of games coming out, um, you know, this can, can be valuable. So I know... So something well, I do want to ask you, mm-hmm. Ryan, is you're talking about you don't really get into new games, but I know that you've also played Hearthstone before. Yeah, that's a little different. I was actually, I actually, when I said I don't really get into new games, I was going to say, I guess I almost said except Hearthstone, but it's a little different because it's, because it's an online only game. So there's not really like, I don't go to Hearthstone locals, you know, I don't like travel to Hearthstone events. Like it's, it's. Well, I think when you more like, I was going to ask you, like, how did you approach getting into that game? Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, cause I definitely, I definitely had a phase where I was trying to play Hearthstone a lot more competitively. I think I peaked around. Like, I think I was, like, top 80 legend for one, at one point, just when I was, like, super, super into it. And then I felt, I know Jesse got to, like, top 16 uh, for, for one season. But um, mm-hmm. it's, that was one where I just kind of looked at a bunch, I tried to look at all the resources that were available. Um, Hearthstone, because it is sort of, it, it's it's more of an eSport than most of these other games. And, you know, like, Blizzard really used to kind of push the eSport aspect of it. There was a lot of content, a lot of information surrounding the competitive scene. And there were a lot, there are a lot of competitive Hearthstone content creators. Way more so than Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I would way say more than, like, most way, games, way, right? way more like, than most Madonna games. Was old then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when you when you look at uh like the Hearthstone uh data management versus something like Pokemon TCG or like Magic Arena or Magic Online. I feel like it was just night and day because you were able to get like all of these numbers just at the drop of a hat. Everything was ripped. Everything was scraped. So many games were being played that you could just determine win percentages and like the tier list was literally right in front of you. Like it didn't really matter. I, yeah. And that's awesome. one thing that, you know, I'm really into data numbers and, you know, I do that a lot more for Yu-Gi-Oh! than I think a lot of people do in terms of just actually doing the math behind a lot of my decisions in deck building. And for Hearthstone, as you said, all those numbers are there, and you can sort it by rank, uh, you can sort it by region, and you can really pick up on these trends where, and you can really, really, really hone in on the skill level that you are. So, like at one point when I was just starting out, you know, it doesn't really help me to look at uh, the win rates of the decks at top 100 legend because I don't know how to play. I'm not good. I need to look at the win rates of decks at the lower skill levels while I'm still learning the game. And that will give me, you know, the competitive edge in my ELO. Um, And then as I get better, you know, I can adjust accordingly. And that is something that was available to me in that game. And I think uh, I could utilize really well just because that's the the type of thing that I like to do anyway. Um, And now, actually, that's a good transition for for, uh, my hero. It is kind of the complete opposite. Um... This game has been out for about a year. It is it is a spin-off of uh, UFS, which is another card game. Anyone who's been playing card games for a million years has probably heard of UFS. Basically, um, it's UFS is like a game engine, and then they get like licensed properties and they make sets based on different games, and then they all use the same 
rule set and the same card structure, you know, so you could play like, you know, Soul Calibur cards against like Mega Man cards. And like, that was the whole thing. And then yeah. recently in the last year, they made a new format where it's only My Hero cards. So while while on the one hand, it is still a UFS game, so it's technically a game that's been out for a long time, only four sets are legal. So the mechanics are not new, but the whole card pool is new. Um, with a couple exceptions, they've, you know, like retrained some cards from old UFS that were like staples. Um, but for the most part, they're unique cards. So it's kind of an, it's kind of an interesting situation where on the one hand, there's a lot of information on UFS about like the general rules of deck building and the math behind how their game systems work. But since the card pool is so new, there are sometimes gaps in understanding of, of the, of the power level of certain strategies, right? Or like there are not, there's not really much of a consensus. I think a bunch of people in the community right now have a consensus on what like the top deck is. And then beyond that, you know, there, 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 there's a bit of, of an information gap also just because there's a smaller player base than a bunch of the other games, right? Like there's a smaller player base than, than mm. Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic and whatever, but there's still enough documentation that learning is still accessible, but I think it's less solved than a bunch of these other games could be. Um, but I've only been playing for, for, for about two months, so I, I truly don't know. And there's still a lot that I haven't figured out yet, but it has been an interesting experience when my, my only real experiences of getting into games have been Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, you know, years and years and years ago where I played very, very casually for years and years. And then uh, around 2013, I started playing com com uh, competitively. So I was playing very casually for like seven years um, and then started playing competitively. And then, you know, the rest for the last 10 years, I think a lot of, you know, my journey competitively is just online now. And you can probably find videos of me with deck profiles I've made of decks uh, literally spanning back for almost 10 years now. Um, so you can see how I've changed in my approach to, you know, playing the game and whatever. But uh, then Hearthstone was all online. So there wasn't really an in-person community that I was interacting with. And a lot of the uh, improvement I had was through consuming competitive content, you know, looking at all the all the numbers um, and that kind of thing, which is which was very different from Yu-Gi-Oh! But a lot of the skills I picked up playing Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively definitely helped me you know, jumpstart Hearthstone. And I I didn't stay completely inept for very long because I knew how to I, I knew how to learn, if that makes sense. And yeah, I'd like okay. to believe for my hero, because now this is the third game I've really tried to learn, I would by no means say I am good. I've been playing for two months, but I think I have more or less skipped the completely inept stage where I know enough to look at tournament results, parse through the decks, and at least have a grasp of what decks are playable and an understanding of the metagame, and at least learn to play with like a meta-relevant strategy. So I have a chance of winning, you know, even on day one. Like I think the second locals I entered, I had like I was playing like a variant of like the second best deck. So I was like winning games which I didn't think I would that quickly, but. So uh, random, but wait, so how many people do you get playing the game at, at the local you play at? Um, I think we get, we, every week I've gone, there've been more than eight and fewer than 16. Okay. I think, I think the most we had was like 13. 
Okay. Yeah, like a, it's a pretty small locals, you know, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. like my my Yu-Gi-Oh locals, uh, you know, over the last two years, it's been growing a lot. And the last time I went to my Yu-Gi-Oh locals, we had 45 people. So right. it yeah, is kind like, of in, it is kind of crazy. Where, yeah. Or Michigan, our locals are like between 35 and 50 people mm-hmm. every Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. Um, But and it's very hard to find people who play other games, like even like Magic, like Friday Night Magic has like. 20 people at like most stores and any other I, game is like very I think very there's cool. another issue with uh with stuff like that though for magic I feel like there's there's oversaturation of like the so there's so many random stores and by random I mean relative to like a Yu-Gi-Oh player right there's just stores that host FNM and they're all like in the same proximity and they all host them on Friday Yes, and Unless, it's like, yeah. how many of you people like are going to go? Like, you can't be in four places at once. So, like, obviously, you're spreading it out, and now it's like twenty, but like twenty over how many stores? And like the one random store you've never heard of or seen, but it's on the fucking WPN store service. <laughs> right. they, yeah. they have like they have like eight. One of them has ten. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that. That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, which for Yu-Gi-Oh, which is like kind of funny that maybe the branding of Friday Night Magic is like split it split it too thin right we're like for Yu-Gi-Oh, mm-hmm. it's just like all the stores in my area just look at each other's calendars and host Yu-Gi-Oh on different days yeah, that's <laughs> you know? all the ones that yeah. are like if, if you're within like 30 minutes of each other stores just like really hold them on different days yeah, yeah. you have to yeah it's hmm. the way around it uh. uh but but going back to how ryan was saying that he he feels that like he's can kind of more easily grasp uh, in new games, especially this one after uh, a couple weeks, I think something that I've I've said this for a long time. I think that if you play Yu-Gi-Oh as your main game, you can go to basically any other game and be successful because I think Yu-Gi-Oh is just the most complicated game. And I always think that I'm sure know, everyone I'm sure everyone that plays Magic will say Magic's the most complicated game. So so I just I just want to preface I, this I, that I, I, don't, no, I, sure, I don't think that's true. Sure sure. <laughs> I see. Uh, I see magic players all the time, like especially at our locals who are like read our cards. I watched a magic player who is friends with our Yu-Gi-Oh player at mm-hmm. our locals. He was watching the mist the runic deck be played, yeah. and he was just like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> this is like, like, like it was just crazy. He was yeah. losing his mind." Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's way easier to go from Yu-Gi-Oh! to other games. I've always found I found that to be true, at least for me. But I think I'm also just... Because I love new games so much, mm-hmm. I think it also is easy for me to transition to other games. Like, when Force of Will came out, I started playing Force of Will, and I topped, like, the like top aided the, the first Force of Will regionals. Um, uh, I topped, like, the first, like, when ARG was doing it, like, the very first Force of Will event that they, they did. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, back in the day, like I played, I play, I like even like topped like a Magic Regionals back in like the very first Ravnica block. Um, and so card games have always just come kind of easy to me, but I think Yu-Gi-Oh specifically has set me up and will set others up for a more successful future in other games because Yu-Gi-Oh is so complicated. Going into anything else just seems like child's play. Sure. I can definitely agree there's more moving part. Like, I will definitely say, like, the mechanics of Yu-Gi-Oh! are probably the least similar to a bunch of other games, if only because there's no, like, resource system. 
But at the same time, there's so much going on that if you can have a grasp of it, and obviously, like, the basic mechanics of, like, card advantage and, like, tempo and, like, value obviously translate to every game, you know. So if you have become proficient, then there are a lot of concepts that carry over. I do agree. As I say, maybe, like, the, maybe the one difference is I think that, that like, UFS, it was, like, an overly complicated game. Sure. I will uh, say every card has, like, 19 numbers on it. And it was yeah. very daunting the first time I picked up a card, and th- there were li- there are literally like seven numbers on every card, and I'm just like, what, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I just and and I think it's funny to go from it's like I pick up a Yu-Gi-Oh card with 17 paragraphs of text that people are like, oh my god, this card is so complicated. And it's like and it's just like a pendulum monster, and I'm like, this is this does two things. And then I try to look at a UFS card, and there's like a number on the top left, a number on the top right, a number on the bottom right two numbers in the middle, an arrow, and I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> so, ugh, I do agree, but, um, I guess I kind of want to move into the game that you two have been, have been, uh, playing. You both started playing, so my game is not a new game, uh, the My Hero game, as I explained, it, the My Hero variant has been out for about a year. Um, you guys just started learning uh, Battle Spirits. Well, do I have a, which is a brand I have new something game. to tell you about Battle Spirits? Yeah. Also not a new game. Uh, oh, oh, no. <laughs> it, is true, it is true. Battle Spirits <laughs> did originally come uh, to America many years ago and you, failed. I, I saw a video. I no this, is re- this is really funny. Let me let me shoot this in there. I was watching a video, um, <laughs> and it was like a random match from 2010, and in the background is just a Battle Spirits poster, and I had to double take, and I'm like, oh, wait, no, this happened. Never mind. <laughs> uh, also, before I forget, because I wanted to say something before Ryan switched over, yeah. with UFS, my hero cards not only have, like, ten different numbers, they also have, like, ten different symbols on them. Yes, and they each all... of them have, It, yeah. looks, it looks really each, flooded. Each of them yeah. mean a different thing that you don't know what it means unless you already know. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I do agree. I... I... <laughs> The first time, the first time, so how I learned to play is actually, I guess this will be the last thing I talk about for this, for my piece, before you guys go into yours, but um, how I learned to play is actually um, somebody in the local community uh, used to play Yu-Gi-Oh, like years and years and years ago, and I think he was never really playing the same time I was, but he went to the same locals that a lot of my current friends do, so you know, like Calvin and, and everyone used to go to locals with him so they're facebook friends with him and they've you know like they they they've known him for a long time and they don't see him frequently but they they play poker with him sometimes so they've still you know like kept in contact with him and he posted about the my hero game on on facebook and he's like hey i'm you know like a judge in my hero and uh this locals is doing a demo day so if you show up you get a demo deck and whatever and we looked it up and the locals was five minutes away from our house and we were just like, we've never heard of this locals before. And we go, and there's this locals. I don't even know how to describe it. It okay, so it was a locals that I don't even know how this arrangement works. So the outside of the building, there is a sign for a bank, and that is the only sign on the outside of the building. If you walk into the building, if you go straight, you are going into the bank. If you go left, there are meet, there are offices for the bank. If you turn right, there is a staircase that leads you to a locals. 
<laughs> with no branding. So we literally had no idea this existed. And there was just a locals uh, in the attic of a bank that had my hero, I guess. So again, these are the <laughs> FNMs that just randomly show up. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like, like when we were using the GPS to get to the locals, it, it had the address and we show up. And, and it's a bank. And we're like, surely it's the building next door. So we go to the, we walk in circles for 12 minutes until we get back to the bank and find out that it's upstairs above the bank. Anyways, very bizarre. Like, but yeah, so we went to this, to this locals uh, that was advertised by somebody who used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And now plays this game. And then, uh, you know, we did the demo day and I thought it was fun enough. I bought a starter deck and I had the demo deck and I started playing. And then now I just go to the locals every week and I play, I go to the locals uh, once a week to play constructed and I go to the locals once a week to play sealed. So just so I, you know, learn what more of the cards do that are from the older sets that I haven't played, you know, that were out before I started playing. So yeah, it's been kind of interesting, but um, anyway, Battle Spirits, let's talk about that now. Yeah. So Battle Spirits originally was a game, uh, that they brought to the U.S. And, and did not do well many, many years ago. I don't know the exact date. but I'd never heard of it previously, so it must have done... It was like, it was like 09. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it kept going on in Japan, and is uh, Bandai's, I'm pretty sure it is their biggest game in Japan, um, and it has been going on ever since. So what happened was they decided to take their more modern eyes. Obviously, as time goes on, a game changes, right? So... They're like, oh, what if we take our battle spirits, kind of how the game is now and how it's changed in like their 2023 environment and re-release it as a new game in the Western audience. So now what we get is Battle Spirit Saga, which is kind of like the more updated version of the game that solved a lot of the tried solving a lot of the problems the original game had. And so if you played the original game, you might understand a little bit what's going on with Battle Spirit Saga, but there are updates and new kinds of cards and rules to how the game plays to make it feel better than that uh, original kind of disaster. And the the biggest draw to this is that Battle Spirits is uh, Bandai is offering a crap ton of money for people to come play their game. Uh, not only this, they are putting a crap ton of money into advertising. They're getting like really famous people to promote their game, like oh, yes. randomly. The Avril Avril Lavigne. Lavigne. <laughs> that was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Just that Avril Lavigne tweet about Battle Spirits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so now I'm waiting. Like I, I bet there's going to be like another crazy thing they're going to do eventually, and I just wonder who could who next famous is going to be promoting Battle Spirits. So I kind of. Uh, and waiting for that to happen because I think it's very silly. Um, but, but yeah, they uh, they they had their first tournament the week before the two fiftieth. Um, I was going to go, but then stuff happened and couldn't go to either of these events. But, uh, the winner got was it was it twenty five Bowden? Yeah, uh, it scaled differently depending on which region you were in. So it was like. Yeah, that's Europe right. Yeah. And so America had twenty five uh, thousand fafos, and then Australia and uh, Latin America had ten thousand fafos. But like, you, if you see the numbers and you see the prize breakdown, it's crazy. 
I, I got 500 US dollars for coming 17th with like a, a record that just wasn't good at all. And I was sick. I was like, oh my God. The UK one was even even more ridiculous. It was 128. It was uh, 176 people or something. And it paid out top 128, minimum 250 US dollars. That, there, there you go. So yeah. uh, they, they are paying out a, a lot of money. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they said a million dollars worth of money over the course of the next year of events. Uh, or yeah. something like that. And they announced their next two tournaments, which is in California and Ohio. And these are kind of like their regionals, which gives you an invite to, I believe, their world championship. I think that's what it is. Um, so it, the, these ones qualify you for the Pro Tour. Um, the and Pro the Pro Tour, Tour happens yes. every time a set comes out. Um, and they'll alternate like North America, Europe, uh, and then like the regionals. Well, like technically regionals, they're called Grand Opens, and like top thirty-two of uh, each Grand Open qualifies for the Pro Tour, and then top thirty-two of the Pro Tour, I think, or it might be top sixty-four of each Pro Tour, they qualify for Worlds at the end of the year or like beginning of the year. So yeah, that's uh, another crazy one. There's like a bunch of you know, like, uh, event solicitation and stuff like that they sent to distributors, and it, like, tells you the breakdown of, like, how much money is in each event. I think Worlds has, like, $275,000, like, given out for, like, 192 people. So we're interested with, like, how that'll break down in the the prizing distribution for that. Like, will first place get 100 k <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Will it be something yeah. ridiculous like that? But... Uh, but I know that, yeah, they the events for the... Uh... Uh, what are they called? The grand? Are they? What are they called? Are they grand? Grand, grand opens. Yeah. Grand opens. Yeah. So for the first two, for these first place, you get six thousand dollars. That's seven thousand, right? I'm pretty sure it's six, unless because when I signed up for it, uh, let me look let at me my double check because they they <laughs> messed up uh, what they posted because I'm oh, pretty did they sure mess up what they posted. Okay, well, they messed up something. Well, they also just removed the prizing details on the ticket website oh, oh they wait, did. maybe not because my no no seven it's seven seven thousand okay 7, it was definitely was 100 i grab a screenshot on my phone that says six thousand yeah. so they definitely changed it okay so that's better so yeah first place gets seven thousand dollars and what was second three thousand and then it's fifteen hundred third and fourth a thousand fifth through eighth five hundred ninth through sixteenth and then two hundred and fifty seventeenth and thirty second but it's the pro tour invite for when you top 32 that i think is probably like not worth more, but it's, you know, compounding, right? Like, if you cash one of these events, you get these invites to another tournament. And if you cash that event, you get an invite to another tournament. While also getting paid out, um, I think is really cool. Because, like, these events will probably be smaller than a YCS, right? Right, and right. right. Well, I say, these will be, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! regionals, where, like, they yeah, probably like, have, like, literally 200 just... people. Mm. And like you just have to top 32, which is like when you play a YCS, this is like the other thing I think as well, like this is something I didn't really touch on for like the 250th YCS, when you have um, like, you know, 3000 plus people, and it's top 64 in 12 rounds. And it's like, yeah, like that distribution works out like every X2 should top and then like a good chunk of like X21, maybe an X3 sneaks in, right? Like obviously X3 didn't sneak in. But um, I, I think for that many people, you need to look at a different tournament structure entirely. I don't know how you would do it. Um, maybe it would be like how Pokemon does like day 1A, day 1B for like worlds and stuff like that. 
that could be like a consideration. But when I look at like events like these and they're small and they pay out really nice to like top 32 and you don't have to be like the top three percent of the field or something or less than that there's three thousand people it's like you have to be the top one percent of the field you know what i mean like that, that's ridiculous like poker tournaments pay out top 10 percent of the field from like ten thousand people or something and that's like way more reasonable but it's like no 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 you made top 64 in a three thousand person event uh here's the play mat You're like oh, okay kind of sick. yeah um, <laughs> I, I that was that that i mean that really is like hurtful to me because i remember at mm -hmm. the 200th i got first after swiss and then i lost in the first round of top 64 that, that's I, another crazy one right like that and disgusting. i walked away i had to walk away with a mat what was even worse is they didn't even have the mats yet and they had to yeah. mail me that so i walked away from going first in swiss with nothing nothing i couldn't <laughs> like i was I, my heart hurt so bad that, that that's what it was like. And I feel like this is like random off topic tangent, which will always happen. But I think that the person who gets first after Swiss should get a special prize from Konami for going undefeated, which would also help deter people trying to force draws. Because oh, you would want yeah. you would want to get first because of that and then it also mm -hmm. means that like oh you did so good you went 12 and you go 12 and 0 if you go 12 and 0 uh, at the biggest event of like the year you should get something beyond a freaking mat right and you should just back, be rewarded back in the day do you remember the regionals that would give something out to people yeah we, we talked about that before yeah like back like, oh, way yeah. back in the day we got like ipods and stuff at regionals for going like yeah. uh going like undefeated in swiss or going first after swiss and then and... you have other games where it's like first after swiss gets like uh the high you know the high seeding pick like obviously that one's a bit more convoluted but uh, like i think other games do give you like a like a soft buff if you went undefeated in swiss um i think some give you like a, a buy into like the round of you know like round of 16 or something in like a top 30 just weird things like weird little things that you can sort of like maybe adapt i'm not sure how you would do it i mean even if they didn't want to like do something like that they could literally it would literally just cost them nothing to be like yeah. hey you got first after swiss here's like this fucking it could literally just be I, it can literally be any Konami product that isn't a mat. It mm. costs them like nothing, uh, or they could just spend an extra hundred dollars and like, oh look, here's like an extra game system for you for going for getting first after Swiss. It, it literally would cost them like pocket change to just give something <laughs> else away. Uh, worth just that would just make it not feel bad for getting first after Swiss and just losing in in top cut. Um, but I, I I digress. Back to mm -hmm. back to battle spirits. Yeah, you you get uh with all of this. Um, yeah, let's like sort of break down like how the not how the game is played to go like crazy. How did you? I, I think. How did you guys get? Okay, so I guess what I want to know is how did you approach learning it? Because it's did, it's not a new uh, game. I guess the, I thought it was. It's so not they give game. out they give out like demo decks, right? Like obviously. Bandai is throwing like a lot of stuff at the game. It's at least it's a new game. You gotta you gotta do it. You gotta have your demo decks. You gotta have like all your uh, your YouTube stuff. So there's like a, a pretty funny demo video that we watched, and we just sort of tried to piece together like, oh, like is this how a game is meant to be played? And then you know, there's no dueling book off the bat for games like this as well. So you have to play your tabletop, your uh, your untap, like pretty common, I think, in a lot of like uh, the more the niche secondary games, games like the right? not top three games, yeah. 
Um, I got, so I like, got pretty lucky in the that there's already a UFS tabletop. So nobody had to mm. make one from scratch for my hero. There's just already one for UFS. Yep, because that, that game has been out for, for so long. Quite a while, yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, I, for Battle Spirits, yeah, it was basically just, I looked up a YouTube video on how to play. I learned how to play. It was just <laughs> simple, it, it was as simple as that. And yeah. then I read the cards. And I think what's interesting is, like, it, it, I think that's kind of just, like, what it is for most games nowadays. There's so many resources out there for you because the internet is just, like, so vast with people that it's very easy to learn. Like, it's just like, oh, look, this thing is a thing that has interest. There's a Discord for it where everyone, like, they have hundreds of people talking about it. So, like, there was just a Battle Spirits Discord you can join and watch what people are saying. And uh, it, it, as soon as, and then we, yeah, we we downloaded, like, uh, Tabletop Simulator and we played and watched each other play games. And I think within, like, the first week of playing, we decided what the, like, two best decks were. And those are the two decks that, like, won each of the events. Like, we thought, like, red and white, these are the decks that are probably really, really good. Um, and these are the decks that that, that won uh, these $25,000, $10,000 tournaments. Um, so one thing I think someone who's more experienced definitely has the advantage in, or that I guess I would say, like, we have the advantage in versus somebody who's, like, very new is, like, you two are probably more proficient at determining what information is valuable and what information isn't. Like you probably have a, have a better filter when you're going through looking at what everybody is saying. You mm. can probably whenever when somebody says something just outrageous and incorrect, you're probably able to analyze it to a degree that you can you can tell. Obviously yeah. not everything, you know, like you can't immediately know uh, so, how everything some works, of it does but... come down to like actual like gameplay and like yes. tournament experience exactly right? exactly because like it's it's just more a means to like accelerate the testing process especially when you you don't have the you know the reps it's the same with Yu-Gi-Oh, right it's like mm-hmm. when we have uh, a good enough understanding then everything sort of comes a lot quicker and like you sort of take the technical play and tournament experience aspect for granted um, which was unfortunate. That, that was sort of like my my issue, like playing the 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 launch event. So this this game isn't out yet. They had a, a like a big launch tournament, like Jeff and I said. Basically, um, the tournament, was, like the twenty five thousand dollar tournament, was their pre release. <laughs> <laughs> so like you you sit there and you play. So like when we played on on tabletop, it's like we weren't timing a lot of the matches, and obviously you're not really looking to push for penalties against people for playing slow. And like that, even when you did, like, uh, I think there's like inexperienced judge stuff and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, it's all transitional. So when you're just like, hey, my opponent's taking a long time to like tank, play out their turn, or like they're trying to figure out how this interaction works. It's like, yeah, that's expected. The game isn't even out yet. And you're like, okay, fair enough. So like, obviously, (laughs) one, you're playing like slower. Two, there's more draws. And, like, tournament structure never really conducive for draws and events like this. It's not like Pokemon where, like, you know, oh, end of match procedure, you draw. It's like, uh, well, they're not doing, like, top whatever, you know, and there's no, like, champion points or challenger points, whatever they call it. It gets a little bit more dicey. And that that was, like, I think that's the, the biggest, like, transition thing where it's like, Yu-Gi-Oh, you know what to expect with end of match procedure. You know... Uh, the game will be won at one point, um, and you know you sort of just play it out. Whereas, like, yeah, for Battle Spirits, it was way different from tournament experience to like playtesting experience because of like one, 
uh, like opponents' experience in the game, and then two is like uh, little interactions that we might have missed from like more experienced players. Like for my tournament, people from Hong Kong traveled, and they had played normal Battle Spirits in Japan. So by default, they might have had these skill sets that transition into like Battle Spirit Saga. That's like the differential uh, is is Saga in the name and like some other things. But so like they just already are ahead. So they know like how trading should work, like, you know, like efficiency, like in game, just little things that you would transition from like Yu-Gi-Oh to this one. But like, obviously, if you're doing it from normal Battle Spirits to Battle Spirits Saga, it's probably a lot better for them. So they just steamrolled the entire tournament because they sort of like knew where trading would come from, like how to curve out properly and like, you know, when to be the aggressor in different spots where like we sort of know the concepts, but don't know like it in practice efficiently. I mean, uh, that was like the big people thing. going to these tournaments had never played a game in real life mm. outside of pro like proxying, yeah, right. To whereas these people had it's 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 no different than like the the Japanese who have played cards mm. way before us and like going to worlds, right? They're just more experienced with like these cards because they've been playing with them for months before us. Except in this instance, these people have been playing for years. So the thing is, that would just but, but I think I, so. Like, there's like little differences, right? It's just more of like interactions and just knowing like how game mechanics are meant to work. So, like, if you look at Yu-Gi-Oh, right, and it's like, oh, well, like, what benefit does someone who played ten years ago um, have over someone who started playing in the last like two or three years, right? And it's just like really oh, uh, I, small yeah, I think, things. I, I think someone who played ten years ago would not be able to beat someone who played in the no, last. No, 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 no. So, but like, there's no, saying like that person has been playing like concurrently from the last 10 years right oh, sure, like sure, what sure. what's what skills like do you think someone would gain from playing you know uh e even just like a different card game in time like what what are, what skills are transferable and like what things would you need to pick up over time and it's like i think the really so again went over this in another podcast as well uh where it was like you say you played in 2000 and i'm trying to think of a year where like the power creep wasn't as relevant but like I, I guess like the good marker is just like uh probably like one of those nice like trading formats uh maybe not 2012 but you get the gist of it right maybe not 2011 probably like before then let's say you're playing like uh like a weird monarch-ish format where it's just like you have the understanding of when to be the control and when to play like the aggro sort of game and like when it's just appropriate to like make a push not make a push when do you get punished by certain cards whether it be like gauze torrential mirror force stuff like that and that comes with like understanding of like the the cards in the format understanding of like how they punish you and then sort of like just general uh game awareness right like just understanding what happens if i do this like oh i'll have no cards like that goes yeah. back to the concept of like card advantage just like, like is it okay for me to be the aggressor and like all of this these sort of like weird niche things and when you're just like fresh Yu-Gi-Oh player and Yu-Gi-Oh hasn't really, you know, had too much benefit from situations like that, then like, it's, I guess like maybe the person from 10 years ago was like, Hmm, you know, back in the day we used to do this, this, and this. And like, maybe your attack ordering differs because of how, like, you know, I think people still do it now, but like they attack smallest to largest because of gores. But then there's like other little niche things of like, I'm attacking in this ordering because like, if this one gets chump blocked by a, a guy in, you know, say like they just do something in like a Yu-Gi-Oh game, it's like they chump block and then it has this effect and this will happen. So like, it's adaptable, right? And that's, that's sort of like what I was gauging when I watched like the people from Hong Kong play is like, they just knew the base level of like these interactions happen. It's not the same game, but technically it is. And 
Like, it, that's sort of like where Yu-Gi-Oh! is at now. It's like Yu-Gi-Oh! is not the same game it was 10 years ago, but someone from 10 years ago might have learned some lessons 10 years ago that might apply now. It's just little things that sort of go with it and sort of gives you, like, edges. And that, that's sort of like where we're at, right? It's like the boomer mentality of this happened long ago and it can still apply now, but, like, will someone who started playing two years ago know this interaction? Probably not. Yeah. Okay, I think that yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot, and I'll be honest mm. with you, I'm not sure I followed all of it. I I no, will actually I, have I, to. I, you know, I will actually you know have to listen to this back. <laughs> you know what? I, I would have to also, but I'm not going to. I I'm uh, I'm, I'm just going to assume that Bowden what Bowden said was correct. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think I get uh, what you were getting at, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, Ryan, you you definitely know what I'm getting at because you exclusively play with Yu-Gi-Oh like old people. You just oh, play like yeah, yeah. They do you know things I mean? that just I just go like I know why you did that because yes, twenty years ago yeah, that pretty, play made sense. Much. But yeah. old man, your time is done. <laughs> yes, your time yes. is done. But but when it does come up, right, yeah. you are just sick because you're like, yeah. oh shit. I remember this one niche interaction from 20 years ago, and that might be related to any amount of autism that is spewing through your bloodstream. You know, like, it's like, hey, you know what? I do remember what happened 15 years ago at that locals with this one minor interaction when I played Necros versus this. Like, hmm, interesting. But that's the only thing you remember. It's like, you don't remember where you put your keys or anything. You just remember that one <laughs> game at Locals and it'll transfer. And that's that's what I love. I, that's okay. why we love Yu-Gi-Oh. Let's get back to talking about the games that yes. we're playing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is that it was just very... I, very odd that we all started trying to like get into other games at the same time. And... I would like to try and address if there is a reason behind that. Do you think there's like a distinguishing factor of why that is a thing? Um, I know what you're getting at, but I don't necessarily think so. I, I have been kind of like, I don't want to say jaded with Yu-Gi-Oh for a little while, but I think it was more so like I was kind of maybe on my way out of Yu-Gi-Oh. Then the pandemic happened and there was no Yu-Gi-Oh. So then it was no longer my choice to stop playing. And I felt like, man, I have to keep playing now that it's back. Right. Like when, when, Mm -hmm. when events came back Um, and obviously it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. And then I just think like Yu-Gi-Oh has no longer been, fun for me because i can't play it at a more casual level like it just doesn't agree with me anymore like if i play like a casual deck like when the crystal beast structure deck came out i tried to play on my locals for a few weeks with the crystal beast deck and it just wasn't good and therefore even though i was playing cards i liked it i wasn't having fun i just kind of sat there you're getting like like, try hard pub stomped by the the dude at your locals playing the full power deck right which is fine that's that's that is that's what that is yeah that's fine that's why we have part of the underdog format and edison and everything else it's like yeah we're not gonna gatekeep you you know what i mean like that shouldn't be the thing like no one should be gatekept because they're playing a more expensive deck from playing like a normal locals right like that's the whole intention yeah which is why i think it's kind of like funny when people are like yeah we didn't enter locals during tier format like we just didn't have a good deck and T was destroying us. It's like, 
yeah, I, I, I guess, but like, ugh. well, I mean, I guess because you know I mean? for me, like, it's the flip side. It's the flip side of just like, if I play a lower power deck at my locals, it's not fun because I'm just playing no, I, a terrible yeah, deck. Exactly, exactly, and if I just play right. my real deck at locals, it's also not that's also yeah, yeah, fun exactly. because then but, I'm like, just that, doing that's that. That's not to say like people. some other people get fun from like different, yeah. you know, different aspects you know, of like you so, right? Where it's like. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like the only the only fun I have playing Yu-Gi-Oh now is playing at a more competitive level. It's like I don't even have fun going to regionals. Like those also just feel not fun to me. Well, I only I really can't have remember fun for the last time any of us had fun. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think like playing events are where it's fun for me, right? And there's just so much time in between events that it's like it it like playing the events is the only time that I get enjoyment out of the game. But preparing for events feels like a chore. It does. Okay. Right? Yes, yes. That's that's the problem because the actual game to game doesn't interest me as much. I had a lot of fun preparing for Mexico and Vegas because there were new cards and I really, really liked figuring them out. Right? Whenever there's a new set, I generally really enjoy it because I like looking at the new cards, trying to figure stuff out, and it's new to me. Whenever we're getting to like the second or third event of the same set, generally i just get very we've checked out we've already checked out i've mentally checked out i still longer super interesting to me and i just go like well uh this is the fourth event i've played with this deck like uh oh well you know because then it also gets to the point where sometimes it feels like it's like oh well last event i think my deck was really good and and I did really well, but did I do well because because I was actually playing well, or did I do well just because my deck was better than other people? And then mm-hmm. the the event later, when everyone's decks have gotten better because the format's been going for a month later, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, I feel like now I'm just flipping coins because both of our decks are very similar, and as long as somebody's not doing anything like egregiously bad, sometimes it can feel very coin flippy. But that's every card game right like like when both players play perfectly the game comes yeah, down what, to who drew better you yeah like you yeah. know that's and that's what that is right and that's and that's fine because it's very unlikely both players actually play perfectly right like that's mm-hmm. that's where the excitement comes from is like min maxing and really optimizing and mm-hmm. making sure you're actually playing perfectly and i will say at the 250th i didn't play a lot to prepare i really phoned it in and i didn't play well and i lost a couple mm-hmm. games that had i been more on point definitely could have won and i was out i, think I didn't also, even like i was out pretty back. early because i just didn't i didn't mm-hmm. practice i didn't prepare i didn't play well i wasn't interested and that's and that's on me you know that comes back to like uh the people so like when we talk about the people who are doing well they just play like religiously right mm-hmm. like the people that are that are doing well just play and on that's fine they the enjoy time. it the, the, and that's the people fine who are that's doing fine. well are doing the same things that we did when we were in our early twenties. Mm. Where and they that's live what you should yeah. do. Yeah. But, it, but so like, but now as well though, like so when when you grind Yu Gi Oh now, mm-hmm. I think it's more glaring that you see the flaw because it's, it's like a little bit more frustrating because it's like when I would play it beforehand and I'd play on like on on dueling network, dueling book, whatever, and I would I would make an effort and like when. <laughs> When my win loss just dropped to a certain point, I was like, hmm, like I need to reevaluate something. Now it's like, oh, my win loss is at a certain point, and I sort of just ride it off to variance more than anything, where it's just like some of my games are literally unwinnable, or, you know, it's like a, I bricked, you know, it's like, oh, cool. And that's just like, that was like more of the market that I have 
now, less of like technical play, but I guess like you can't get better technical play unless you are playing. There's really like uh it's a very slippery slope, you know? It's like you play more, you figure out the game is significantly worse than it was before, but you play more, you get better at the game. So pick your poison, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but to 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 basically I think to answer the question, just like why I started playing a new game, it's because I wanted a low stress locals experience that I don't think I can personally get from Yu-Gi-Oh anymore because I no longer possess the off switch for Yu-Gi-Oh. If I play not a competitive deck, it just frustrates me because I've been playing it for so long and I've spent so much of my time, you know, for for lack of a better term, min-maxing the game Mm. that when I try to make something you know, like very, very casual being a crystal beast deck with two copies of rainbow dragon, you know, not even like a competitive, not even like a more competitive version, literally one with the explicit purpose of summoning a rainbow dragon and then going like three, two at locals or like, you know, and I just go, did I really have fun doing this today? Like, not really, (laughs) you know, this is, this was just like, I don't know. And, and I just wanted to be able to play a locals, I guess because the other thing is what I like most about these games and Yu-Gi-Oh and whatever is also getting better. And Mm. when you've been playing a game at the level we have for so long, the, the improvements are so much less noticeable to the point they're borderline non-existent. And obviously me playing crystal beast at my local is not, does not help me improve. Like I don't learn anything that I can, you know, like uh, you know, like try to incorporate into my strategy for the next event. So right. when I'm picking up a new game, well, it's also like, what are you learning, right? Yeah, well, that, well, exactly, I, I was exactly. I was going to say the, the, <laughs> yeah. the learning aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh is going to be very minuscule to us. But instead of learning the ends and outs of Yu-Gi-Oh, instead, what you we what someone who was like us would be learning would be the individual match-ups. plays of a deck yeah. and and matchups and mm. how certain interactions are. The, the fundamentals are all pretty much perfected by yeah. uh, all of us. And so be, because of that, everything is secondhand nature. Um, as bad the only as it thing... sounds as well, most people at your locals are going to learn more from you entering that locals than you're going to learn from them. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And that's not, a, that's not a bad thing, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it feels like more of you're sitting there and going through the motions, whereas like other people are just going to be like sweating playing against you. Right? Yes, that's like no, the that, other, that's exactly the other what it is. To, to, to the point that it like, yeah, to the point that it like, I still go to locals and just don't enter, I was, and I just I hang like, out with people oh, yeah. that I've met. You know, like you know, there there are like I've met a lot of my closest friends through Yu-Gi-Oh that I do a lot of stuff with outside of Yu-Gi-Oh, and now the percentage of time I spend with them playing you know doing stuff that isn't Yu-Gi-Oh is significantly higher than playing Yu-Gi-Oh but there are still some people I've met at the locals that I like doing Yu-Gi-Oh things with and I'll just go and not enter the locals and just hang out with them and that is still fun to me it's just the actual act of sitting down and playing five rounds of a locals to me is just such such a like a uh such a herculean labor (laughs) of just it just feels so so daunting and it's like and it's just crazy that like 
I've when I've been playing the My Hero locals, I sit down and it's I've played like 20 games total. And I just sit down and play and I learn something about the game, about my deck, well, about le- their deck, like about anything. Your fun That's thing, where right? I That's get my fun like from it. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. This is where I, I wanted to go with, like, for me and somewhat Ryan, the fun of Yu-Gi-Oh! for me is building a new deck and trying to get it to work. It's like the puzzle problem-solving yes, absolutely. that, that absolutely. is fun. And when you can't do that, it is very frustrating for me. Like for a long time, if I couldn't do that, I would like go into a depression that I couldn't enjoy the thing that I loved most in my life because I, it it just the format or whatever was going on just did not was not forgiving or acceptable of the fact that like what was good was good and what wasn't good was not. Um, and so I have always found myself reaching out into other games because I want that whole puzzle solving aspect to tickle my, the back of my brain. Mm -hmm. And because that's what, like, that's what, that's what gets me, what gets me going. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and I think like another thing that I think I'm a mixture of both you and Bowden, where like that's my aspect of you, and I think what I'm about to say resonates with Bowden more. Um, there was a League of Legends player who, very famous, who decided that uh, he was going to retire. And a quote I don't play League of Legends, but this quote really stuck out to me that he said, uh, It doesn't feel as fulfilling as when it did when I was younger. It seems like everything is going to be great if you win, but the joy of those achievements is very fleeting. And that has been Yu-Gi-Oh! for me for a very long time, where the winning achievements never felt as good as I thought they would be. The first win never felt as good as the as I thought it was going to be. The second win definitely didn't. The only one that felt kind of good was my third one, because it was a unique tournament. And uh, it's it just... I think that it's an artificial joy and it doesn't really matter as much as people think it does, especially, I mean, at least for me, because the things that bring joy to me the most are like the building decks and problem solving. Mm. And uh, I I think that quote also just resonates with Bowdoin as well, because we're both like similar in age and playing the game for a long time. It's it's mostly so like you guys have like the whole deck building characteristic and you want to solve the puzzle. Mine on top of that's like I'm happy if there's a if there's a deck that I can build that's unique enough that has like these you know discernible skills compared to other decks in the format. That's always fun, right? Because that's like another edge that you have. Um, but when there's like a one deck format, but there's like little intricacies to it, I like that uh, you know that side of the coin where you just sit there and you play a bunch and you pick up little technical play things and obviously like that that can sort of just like devolve into some degeneracies and like people doing you know main deck counter picks and stuff like that but that's you know, irrelevant it's just like the build up to it um and i think that's sort of like what we had with tier that i can sort of appreciate where it's just like did i think i was the best player in the room no but i would think that the jump 
isn't like too significant given like you know the amount of gameplay you can have and the stuff you can learn how, how good of a player you are in general and that's that's what i really enjoyed you know what i mean like when when the game lets me do that and i feel more in control with my gameplay and less so having to depend on like uh deck building edges and stuff like that because as we've noted before it's like unless your deck building edge is like that significant it's mostly going to be like tech choice and matchup dependent and everything else and that's sort of like where i get disillusioned when the game feels more out of control and like my deck building choice is more relative to what my opponent is playing and less of like the gameplay itself it it, it's sort of yeah it's hand in hand and i i I don't know It, it it's tough it's tough to explain to like not a low level thinker, but just someone that hasn't played as long as we've played. I, I think it gets kind of jarring. It's like, oh, just don't play. It's like, yeah, it's not that easy. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh... So I, I think again that the, the original question that brought all this was why do we think that we've been brought to this point where we want to try other games? Mm-hmm. And I think oh, after all of that, I think a lot of it again comes back to we. Some, it's something fresh that isn't solved and being able to put our time into something to get results i think is something we all enjoy and for Bowden and i the the lot of money doesn't hurt either right <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i so i i think like again it's because I, I i was involved with like flesh and blood for a bit and like i played that and i think that game was fun but, like, obviously, there's other issues when it comes to, uh, like, the competitive aspect, right? And it's like, do you have enough time? Um, like, how deep is the game and stuff like that? It's like, I couldn't fathom playing competitive Magic now. And that's, like, not related to, like, the game itself or, like, anything. It's just, like, it just feels like it's too far gone. And the skill sets you have to pick up, it seems like you're already just behind. Um, and then the benefit of playing, like, a, a newish game, like, in its infancy is that you are there on like the ground level right so you can progress and it's like when you have experience in other card games your progress and uh, your progression becomes uh like you know a, a little bit faster than most people because you right. know it's all you're adaptable like, like, yeah so like i mean with a new game everyone starts out at the same level mm. and when you've been playing card games especially you give for as long as us mm. we're going to be at a higher starting point than everyone else right mm. um and i think that's also something something that's appealing um yeah it's just like seeing seeing what you've learned over time from even just like any other games, right? Like it, you said, you played like Fossil and stuff like that. Like I've dabbled in like Magic, other Bandai games, Flesh and Blood stuff. You know, all all of like the the games where it's like none of these things are like the other, but they're sort of all just the same. You know, like and then you just say, hmm, let's try and apply it to this one. And if it's fun initially, I think it's like worth continuing playing, right? Like we're still, I, I'm still here. I. I, I went all in. I'm like, I'm gonna get four of every copy of uh of the cards from set one. I was like, why wouldn't I? And yeah. now I just like have access to every deck because that's like another thing I think as well. Where when it comes to something like uh a game with a deeper card pool, it's like you have to get those cards. Like if you play on on an online sim, and then you proceed to like uh you know find this like weird tech card that's from you know ten twenty years ago, you have to get you have to go out of your way to get that card. And that's, like, another thing that makes it sort of jarring, like, transitioning into new card games is, like, if this game only has three sets um, and you're looking for a common, uh, and I think Ryan Ryan talked to us about this, where it's just, like, someone at your locals will just give it to you. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when there's three sets and people are opening oh, so much product and there's not that been, many people playing. That's been my, my experience of just yeah. like to make my deck, I need mm. four of 15 different commons from sets one, two, and three. And I just go like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I'm going to get these. And somebody's that, like, oh, that and they pull out a five row here, right? and they have every common from every set. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there are only four sets of this game. You can fit yeah. that in a five row and just bring it to your car to locals. Yeah, you know, but, but like, like... You know, that happens as well, right? Yeah, like I'm sure people have just like given you cards from like new sets, like yeah, who cares enough is open. But like when there's a, a big time lapse in between, you, you know, I feel like it's it's yeah. way more like awkward when you go to a YCS and it's like, oh, the hot tech of this weekend is a common card from 30 years ago, yeah. right? And it's like, mm, yeah, okay. Like, I, I guess we have to, you know, go back in time and open the packs. It's like, no, you know, like one vendor will have it, the card will end up being $40. And that's, again, like, that's not um, where I, I don't like Yu-Gi-Oh! But it sort of, like, goes into, like, oh, well, if you're playing a new card game, why wouldn't you play one of the big three? Like, po- well, Pokemon's a different one because of rotation. Um, but, like, m- maybe magic is, like, something more related. Pokemon's also boring as shit! <laughs> I think Pokemon is boring if you played actual card games not boring if you're at like the top level but i think that also comes with like the territory of like you actually like grind it and there's benefit to grinding pokemon whereas like grinding Yu-Gi-Oh, eh, you either do well or you don't right that's yeah. where it gets kind of awkward so. sure yeah All right, that was yeah. a lot to unpack, but I think we, I, I do think we brought a lot of points. So this was a much less Yu-Gi-Oh related one than usual, mm-hmm. but hopefully some of our ramblings were useful to anyone who is either on their way into a card well, game. To, or... to keep it Yu-Gi-Oh related, uh-huh. let's, let me, let me ask you a question. Okay. What have you seen in these card games specific or any card game over the years that you would think would be worth transferring, not transferring, sorry, like adding to Yu-Gi-Oh? You know, like off the top of my head, I, I can think of like a wealth of things, but like Ryan, what do you think my hero has that Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't that sort of like not necessarily draws you, but like you think is like a net benefit for my so, hero versus like Yu-Gi-Oh? I so, think I know what Ryan's going to say. I do oh, think yes. what what? This is crazy. What are they What? You were gonna talk <laughs> about the alt arts and the tournament packs. I wasn't I, I wasn't because that's not that's not what I thought you were talking about. Oh, I thought okay. you meant, well, like, it, no, it, can, it can be related however, to like gameplay okay, or anything okay. else. Okay. Well, like, however, yeah. I am gonna I am gonna say that now, but then I will. I thought you were talking about strictly gameplay. So, oh, one be, of the reasons why I've yeah. had such a great time playing these locals is how the My Hero organized play works. If you enter a locals, you get a you get two tournament packs for entering, and I know what you're thinking. Well, that just sounds like an OTS pack. Yes. However, um. These are not just reprints. These are mechanically unique promo cards. So imagine when uh, Mega Tin, imagine when Tins used to have promo cards. Like, you know, like Norden was like in the tin or, or whatever. Imagine instead of Norden being in a, in a tin, it was like in an OTS pack. Um, that's kind of what my hero does. Norden is an, is an extreme example that obviously is an incredibly powerful card. It's just one I thought people would remember existing but like basically the the um the ots pack cards are promos that are playable and you cannot find them in booster packs uh since i've started playing very recently 
There haven't been any crazy, crazy, crazy promos, but there are a couple that I do play in my deck. Um, and now you might be thinking, well, once the tournament pack goes out of circulation, wouldn't the cards be impossible to get? And then it's just the exact issue that Bowden was talking about. No, because what no. they also do is if you enter tournaments and locals, you get points on your account. So my Jasco Games ID or whatever, I get 50 points every time I enter a locals. Right now, I believe I have 300 points because I've entered six total. And you can spend those points and they will mail you commons of old promos. So once a promo is no longer the current OT is no longer the current promo pack, the promo packs have foils and they're random. So you get foil ones and they're random. Once the the promo is not the current set's promo, you can spend your points to get common versions of them on their website for free as long as you can spend your points. So there are there is a card I need for my deck that I need four copies of. And after entering four locals, I had enough points to get them. And in addition to them mailing them to you, I'm actually going to what is the equivalent, I guess, of a YCS for my hero this weekend. And you can redeem your points in person at the events for the promos. So I need this promo for my deck I intend to play at the event, and I can redeem my points and they will give me four copies of it. And I think that is just the coolest thing. And it's just probably any game could do this. It's just since this game started their tournament play a year ago, everything is online, you know, everything is linked, and they're just using all of these modern systems. In addition to the mechanically unique promos, they have other promo packs that are prizing for different tournaments where their alt art of of meta cards so that's kind of where like the ots pack that Yu-Gi-Oh has kind of falls into to, to place here is every set they have an alt art promo pack also and those cards look insane and i think that is super cool and i really wish the whole ots pack system would change to be something more like this i really wish there'd be more value to entering locals and mm -hmm. i also think getting points for entering locals you can spend on promos is also a very good idea to just reward people for playing your game and making it fun to play a locals like it's not fun when i go to a yugo tournament and get one ots pack and open a 40 cent super rare of a card that's unplayable and i just go like yay <laughs> you know you know like that's <laughs> like uh-huh great um so i i think <laughs> if you relate that on the scale mm -hmm. of where we're at in Yu-Gi-Oh, though it would probably end up being the same when it comes to like the tournament oh, pack probably. itself, oh, right? No. As, yeah. As, in terms of value, sure. I yeah. agree but that I, they'd I, be I given think, out too much. Thing is good. I think the structure is also like pretty reasonable as well. I can, that's like a big thing that I've noticed with a lot of these games as well is just like, um, the, the they love doing alt odds, uh, different rarities. Like some cards will just have like four or five different rarities, right? Mm -hmm. And that one can be okay to an extent it can be really cool sometimes i'm uh i'm on the ropes with some of that stuff um but i like the idea of like an event pack right like oh you topped you get something special yes the battle spirits when i top i got a full foil uh starter deck oh that's awesome right yeah like I, oh it was like Sod i think it's like solder or demo deck i don't sure. think it has one card specifically yeah and then another pack that was just like um so they have the tournament pack and the cards come with like uh 
like silver embossing sort of like uh like foil like on the card um and then if you do well in the tournament i think it's like top 32 you get a an event pack that has all of the cards from the promo uh, tournament packs but it has gold instead so it differentiates like hey this one is from this tournament that this person did well at this one is from you know this event without like a set code identifying yeah. it's like no, they these have, are from the same set this has gold this has silver this has ultra um, you know what i mean like all and the, i think that's good enough all of the promos all of all of the entry promos if you get first after because the locals don't really play out top cut because they're not enough mm. people and it's a locals um, if you get uh, first after Swiss at the locals, you get an additional promo pack, and it's called a victory pack, and it's the same pool of promos, but there's a stamp on it that says victory that you can yep. only get for I, I winning like the locals, and I think that is super cool too. And it's like, imagine if the OTS pack cards, it imagine if there could be some that just had a stamp on it that just said like OTS champion or whatever. Like that you, well, even you know, like relating relating that to like uh like we went back to when Jeff was like I went undefeated in Swiss yeah, at sure. the the two mm-hmm. you know the two hundredth or something, yeah. right? Imagine they have an event pack for the YCS and it's like yeah. oh, I've been saying well, that for kids, infinite. I've that. been saying we, I, we have top all cut talked needs, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. YCS like, top cut needs like special at a base packs. level, imagine that's there for regionals or something. Yeah, and instead of an OTS pack, it's a YCS pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've been for for infinite i've been saying that would be in my opinion the easiest fix for ycs mm-hmm. prizing is just top 32 here's a couple packs maybe like four and then oh you won in top 32 here's a couple more oh you and then if you win you get like 20 you know you know like i i, I don't know you know and, and they're just sure, and they're just slightly different give it like OTS a makeshift packs. bounty appeal to it when you're in yeah. top cut right because yeah. there's no draws and a loss knocks yeah. you out yeah. Have it be like cumulative, like bouncing yeah. up till mm-hmm. you get like thirty-two of them or something. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think that would be something that would be fun, and mm-hmm. I always try. You know, like obviously everyone's just like, how do you make tournaments better? Uh, make give a million dollars for first place. Like, no, we can't. Oh, it's uh, you never, know, like it's we never, can't yeah, do that. You know, it's answer, like right? it's just like I just feel like making a special promo pack seems feasible. You know, mm. seems like something that it could be more done. Feasible. If yes. if lesser games can do it, one of yeah. the biggest <laughs> of all time. Can I do think it. lesser games is crazy, but I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, if they're not games. the big three, games that, that, yeah, that are not the right. big three yeah. can yeah. do it. Then yeah, sure, sure, that's fair. Uh, for me, I think looking at more in terms of not participation prizing because i think that's like kind of overdone i'm just trying to get up the um the grand open prizing because like so this this event is um 512 person cap but you're giving out stuff to like the top 128 the top 64 just little like arbitrary prizing that might add a little extra admin to an event but realistically shouldn't because like you just have your prize wall and people can collect it whenever right Mm -hmm. That's that's like another one. If it's all attached to like your neuron in Europe or like, you know, some side deck account in North America. Mm-hmm. I think having something for the people that make day two similar to like the UDS, right? That's pins. like a, another thing like that might be pins. interesting. There was it, well, the not first... not pins, but well, no, I I'm like saying the that's idea yeah, behind that. But I know what you mean. Yeah. Also, um the first remote YCS, randomly, to my knowledge, this is the only YCS this has ever happened. Gave a day two. There field was a center. day two field center, yeah. and it said day yeah. two on it. And I've never heard of a YCS having day two prizing other than that. 
-hmm. like day two, because I also think it's like day two is something that a lot of people like view okay, as an a accomplishment. Lot of who are not us? No, yes. I, I, yeah. Well, yeah. I think you people also who are new for granted as well. Yeah. Where it's like some of these people make day two with topping records day one, and then they just like lose the back door two and don't top. And it's like feels awful. Okay. Yes, feels terrible. Yes, you should just get something. Yes, like yes, exa exactly. Just right? make so it like, feel less just, bad. Like, Soften the blow. For day two. Yes, no, I agree with you. Just a little, even if it's just a field center, just a little. Just have mm. another first track. I mean, not anymore. Well, I guess well, no, they did no, that one. No, but... no, 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 don't say that because then they'll do a field center and we'll still feel bad. You're right. Yeah, yeah. no more field center. Yeah, no more maps. We don't need any of this stuff. Yeah, dice. A YCS branded die? Potentially. Uh, we, a okay, die that so says YCS I, on it? I think that would be okay. You mm -hmm. can never have enough dies. Yeah, so no, that, one, that. that one I that okay, one I think yeah, you can sure. never have enough. Okay, I, I think it has to be cards because it's a token. A, you're trading a token. card game. A token. A token. A token. Token is weird, but yes, maybe. A token. It says YCS Day 2 on it. A token. And then one that says Top Cut when you top. Let's do that. Maybe. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm. I I would be. There's some of those um. Yeah. Some of those like the judge tokens and the Konami top one thousand. I don't Kazi think tokens. they make judge tokens anymore. But no, but I'm saying like some of them were like scarce enough where over time, if you uh, you know, if you like do it properly, they can retain value. Yeah. And it's like good, good for the player base. You want you want things that are like they don't have to sell them instantly to like recoup losses because like that's you generally what happens. Right, but like it's something if you keep over time, it retains some value, and you're happy. Yeah. Like I look at some of these top cut playmats, and I'm just like sick. I'm like, oh, who who wants these? But like tokens, someone might need four of them. They don't need four playmats. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's a big one to me. Like tokens are always like, if there's a nice token, like a top cut token, why wouldn't I get five of them? Sure. Right. Like yeah, yeah exactly. It's actually funny that you mentioned judge tokens. Randomly on my desk, right in front of me, are a bunch of different judge tokens. Which I just, one? Uh, just I, I don't even. I have. What are the numbers? Uh, twenty three, twenty two, twenty, and fifteen. Randomly. Anyways, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that you mentioned that. Just as I happened to be flipping through, through stuff, and there were just a couple of them. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't done these. They haven't done these in a while, though. I think they, they kind of... I don't like that they default to field centers now instead of tokens, just, like, in in general. You know? Like, I well, would prefer tokens. Okay, so you, you do technically need a field center for gameplay now, so it's, like, Not having more Matt of them has out there is on fine. It. No, no, no. So, like, it, it, the idea is, like, basic level of play sure. is just, like, here, have a field center. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I don't like it when it's at the top level of play because that makes no sense everyone playing <laughs> should already have these it's not like a realist like i don't yeah. think it's a real cosmetic to me at this point it's like i have my the field center i use plastic from japan it was the first field center they ever released and i'm yeah. gonna use that until the end of time i don't care sure. yeah right it's whatever so um jeff what do you think is something like other games could adapt to Yu-Gi-Oh that maybe we've missed out Okay, well, I'm going to say something I've said before because it really makes me mad. And it's that mm -hmm. every other game, even the big other, like, Pokemon and Magic, every cycle or something like that come out with new mechanics for their cards mm. and how their games work. And Yu-Gi-Oh! just hasn't done that in forever. And they keep making the same things rehashed with different artwork or they'll combine two other decks 
into one, and then they'll make tier limits, and then the game is ruined for a year. Uh, when they made when it was just Shadals and Light Sworn mixed together, and I find that really fucking obnoxious. And they so that is what I wish <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh would do and yeah. take from other games is stop doing the same things over and over again and start creating some new shit. Has been almost six years yeah. since since a new mechanic, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying I, I always say this. It doesn't have to be a new extra deck type. There yeah. could be other other ways to do stuff. Like, yeah. oh, I I had a crazy one come up uh, when I did my my pod with Max in uh, in Europe, Max uh, Solemn. So like, I said to him, "What if the new mechanic is just a fix to, uh, like, so instead of I'm trying to figure out a way to explain this." So when you go second, let's say you have, well, not like the option, but you like are almost guaranteed, you can scry the top card and replace a card in your hand, and then you put it to the top or bottom. And that is like your fix for one, Strong hand trap the is one extra sixth. card. Yes. Sorry? Drawing a hand trap is your sixth and just losing. Yeah, no, exactly, right? So now you have the option to one, uh, fix your top card, your sixth card is now known in your hand, but you're not gaining any advantage from it. Like, you're still drawing your sixth card, but it's like, you have the option for, like, Nibiru as your sixth, like, it's in your hand now. And I think that is, like, probably a reasonable, uh, like, rule fix that maybe Yu-Gi-Oh could adopt that doesn't warp the game too much. Like, maybe that's what we want. Like, who knows? But it's something very simple that I think could be introduced and could, um, you know, just be, like, another dynamic that maybe we haven't had before. And now, like, you look at the percentage chance of, oh, like, it's their opening five, like, opening six, technically. And, yeah, you sort of just go from there. I truly I, I think, think you something... should start with six and not draw going second instead of starting with five and drawing that, well, that, I that, just that, think that would be so other, simple. That's the other solve, right? So simple. But I, I think, yeah. like, this, like, not having Mulligan in the game and having, like, the option, like, draw one and then take a card from your hand, including, you know, the card that you drew and put it on the top or the bottom. Sure. Right, and that's just like you still start with wait, five. Wait, wait, wait. I need to ask you a question. Wait, wait. Do do you mean that like the person going second starts with six cards and doesn't draw? No, 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 no. That's what no, I no, mean. No. So like the that's person going second cycles a card in their hand, essentially. But I'm asking what Ryan means. Yes. You just start oh, Ryan. I mean. Oh, yes. sure, sure, sure. I'm saying if you go second, I, know, like, I think you just start with six and not draw for turn. So the the turn but, player draws five. The second player draws six and doesn't draw for turn. Yeah. So so you don't have the situations where you're drawing a hand trap as your six. You just have six, and you see all six. But then we complain. I and drew it as my seventh anyway. Well, no, <laughs> but you don't draw. No, no, you so don't. I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. I'm messing yeah. with you. Yes. So yeah. you start with all six that you would have had access to normally, basically. Mm. That, that that's what I'm saying. I I think obviously Yukio is not fixed, and going second does not become fifty percent when that happens. But I think it just yeah. fixes. I think it fixes. Like I don't. I something I actually I actually learned a lot about that I think is sort of correct when. I read a lot of the Hearthstone developer like blogs and something they mentioned that I didn't think about for a while that I think is actually like crazy is sometimes how how something feels matters more than the actual math behind it. And by that I mean drawing Ash as your sixth feels the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. However, there are definitely times where had that just been in your hand, you still lose. It just doesn't feel as bad. When you have all six and you ash them and you still lose, you just go, eh, man, I lost going second. When you draw ash as your sixth, you're like, 
oh my god, I drew a dead card. I could have it could have done this. Maybe it could have done this. And now just like it's the mental damage <laughs> is worse than just losing the game. And it just yeah. feels bad. And it just and it and it and it creates these negative play experiences that like losing is not an exclusively negative play experience. And winning mm. is not an exclusively positive play experience. And truly a lot of the more fun games are when there is more actual game being played, win or lose. Obviously, winning a close game feels better than losing a close game. But when you lose a close game, you're not, you're not, I don't think there's as much mental damage there than just getting blown out, right? And I just think any of these little uh, steps that make games uh, feel I don't, better. I, I, I don't know. I think I'm way more likely to look back and criticize the longer games than the short ones. Because at least in the short ones, I know there probably was nothing I could have done. Right, but when you but when you find there was something you could have done, then you think, oh, well, I could have done you better. Feel, and right? then you feel real shitty that you fucked eh, up. And I, I think know we've all. I, been I there. think it's the opposite. I think I feel worse when there's nothing I can do. Maybe. I know. Yeah, I don't know when when I make a mistake, at least I know that I I don't make that mistake at like ever yeah. again. But I yeah. you, know, you probably will. Um, yeah. but I think uh, yeah, like like Ryan said, if it's something out of my control, I feel a little bit worse because it feels like. Like that that's just everything in general. Right? Out of your control, you can just go, control. why am I even here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I imagine it's different for 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 different people. But. I mean, I'm just thinking of like if Bowden's in the finals of worlds and he looks back and realizes he fucked up and could be a world champion, that's gonna feel really fucking bad, oh, way worse well, than if Bowden just got right. That's a different that's a unique experience. That, that I think. one yeah. <laughs> I think more from just like general gameplay. So like it, it goes back to like, oh, when we go to locals, it's like what are you learning if you make like if you're making a mistake at locals and it resonates with you i think that's beneficial whereas yes. if you just get destroyed by you know whatever deck at locals that you know probably can never do well at a ycs then you just sit there and think oh why did i get out of bed today yes. you know what i mean like why did i put pants on like, it's, just, <laughs> it's yes. really just not, like that's that's my my mentality not that like, verbatim no, necessarily make a mistake but... in a in a specific like in the finals of anything if you make a mistake it's really difficult for you to live it down because like, that's just such a specific spot. Like Ryan said, it's just like the top when uh, you can't just say when I'm in the finals next time, I won't make this mistake again. It's all very arbitrary. You can only adapt it to the next game that you play where that situation will come up. And like, it's just, it just so happens to be that you were in the finals and you made that mistake. That's your learning experience. That's where it gets kind of, kind of a uh, dicey and you're probably sick. But. That also comes back to, uh, I, I think, like, that's the other funny one where it's like, hmm, I opened the nuts, like, round two against, you know, person who literally entered for the participation playmat. But, you know, round eight, I opened bad. It's like, yeah, that happens. Like, that's, what are you going to do? You you can't pick your hand in a specific round, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, well, I think that, I mean, the only other thing I want to talk about is what uh, Ryan talked about with his his game, the reasons why he enjoyed it. I don't think Bert and I really talked about Battle Spirits and how, and how we enjoy it. Um, <laughs> Do you all. enjoy kinda, it? Um, I, I enjoy it from, like, just the whole learning aspect of, like, a new game, and it's, like, problem solving, right? Like, you, you have all of these new puzzles you have to figure out. 
Um, but I, I, I think, I think the, the mechanics are, fine. are you are are unique enough mm. that it makes it feel fresh. And I mean, mm. as we play, like that might change. We might think like, okay, like this is just getting ridiculous. I don't know if I like this or not. But I mean, the whole mechanic, like the game is played with uh, cores, which are little counters you use to pay for your cards and, and like boost them and give them special effects. And uh, no other game really kind of has that right now. Mm. Um, so it it allows for some kind of like unique. Um, some unique stuff to happen so yeah. I, I, that, that, that's why i like it i think there's potential there to be a good game but uh i think bandai has messed up with a lot of card games in the past uh so i will not hold my breath to see how this goes i'm i'm a little more hopeful just based on like what i've how i've seen battle spirits in uh in japan uh it's just like a game that they support and like the R&D behind it isn't terrible compared to some of the other games. Like, this game was made by someone who worked on, like, early Magic sets and made a bunch of stuff that, like, a lot of people would have played. Like, he was involved in, like, Duel Masters and, you know, like, all of the other wizard offshoots of, like, Harry Potter, TCG, Neopets, and all of the games that you probably didn't know existed, but Jeff and I did because you went to a Locals in 2004 and they were just everywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like... I think that gives me a little bit more hope. And that was sort of like the same thing with Flesh and Blood. It's like, I knew the people involved with, you know, uh, a lot of like the R&D and like just the game design process. And it's like, I know that they know what sucks from a gameplay perspective. Um, and like, whether or not that translates well to like a casual level or like a competitive level, that one's like weird. Um, but it's not, it's less of like, oh, this is a, a game behind an, an IP like most other games that we sort of see come out of Bandai where it's like Digimon or Dragon Ball and it's like a whole like marketing ploy. This one is just like standalone card game. You know what I mean? Like this, they're not selling you anything but the the cards. And I think that's like when you sort of see a little bit more freedom and a little bit more fixing and, and all of the other stuff. So like, I'm hopeful for it. Um, I could have my hopes dashed quite quickly. So who really knows? Yeah. I think another one as well, um, just really quickly is from your like, short experience in these games or we can relate it to like other games as well like what are the things you think Yu-Gi-Oh does correctly relative to these games I think is a big thing because we're so, sort of like singing the praises of like you know the new card games like huh like this this is cool but it's like we're not talking about the negative aspects I have a big one that I would like to bring up but Ryan if you want to talk about uh I mean, anything you in have one you in mind could be done better go for it. I have to think a little bit oh I would oh, also sure, have sure, to sure. think pretty heavily on that um so I think my big one had to be uh, the tournament experience was like fine. It's like any other big tournament, but Bandai organized play and like policy documents. This is not related to like gameplay itself, more of like the, uh, you know, like the OP side of things. So their end of match procedure is three turns or five minutes, whichever one finishes sooner. And there's no checking life to determine who wins the game. It's just a draw if there is no clear winner. Um, but, like, the crazy thing that I've noticed is it's not, like, oh, five minutes and, like, the end of the current phase that you're in or something. It's, like, no, no, no. Like, if the timer ends while you're attacking for lethal, the game is a draw. Hmm. Mm, yeah, sure. so it's, like, that That becomes, like, a, a, like a point of attack design. faster, like, Yugi boy. Something, yeah, something. quite quite literally. Something, but, something, like, someone's skull, I don't know. Yeah, mechanically, these games are, like, less, um like, micromanaging click actions and stuff like that. So, like, a lot of the time isn't spent playing cards. It's more, like, 
playing back and forth and playing to not die. There's like uh, basically four ice shields that are essentially generic just because of how the game is designed. So like you can go for like game ending pushes and just get turn skipped essentially. Um, well, not like turn skipped in that sense, but it's like you end your turn, you get threatening rod. Congrats, like try again. And then yeah. it's like your opponent now has crack back and like that's sort of just like that'll happen a couple times when you get to like a late game and then like the end of match procedure doesn't really work out too well for stuff like that um i think one of the biggest comparisons i drew was just like you take a japanese game which like essentially this game is and then you adapt it to like western audiences for like competitive play and when you look at japanese games Yu-Gi-Oh included their tournament structure in in japan tends to not be um like as good it's more related to like how the game should be played there so like in japan it's like Yu-Gi-Oh end of match procedure is like almost non-existent right like you watch them play so slowly there's no slow play there's no nothing and then you know obviously you translate it to Yu-Gi-Oh in like the western you know side of things like tcg north america and europe and stuff like that where your games can and will go to time uh sometimes by design sometimes by like people you know just actively playing slow and I think that's just like a, a general flaw when you like take a Japanese game where it's built for a tournament structure that's like locals only, right? Like that's that's just how it is. You're only ever getting like five or six rounds out of it. So that that's just like a little thing I noticed. I think Battle Spirits definitely suffers from that. And like you don't really see it in games like Magic or like Flesh and Blood and stuff like that. You know, just more like Western approach for for gameplay. It's like I feel like time is relevant. But well, it's not well, the also same you have extent. to keep in mind that like Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, they have had years and years and years to perfect the mm. competitive aspect, tournament aspect, right? Whereas that that is not the case for many of these other games, especially the Japanese ones, where. There is no super large thing. It is mostly mm. locals, right? And their like big tournaments are still held in like shops until they're like world championships most of the time. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things where it's going to take time for any sort of game getting into a hyper competitive space to get that sweet spot of their kind of the the rules for uh, time and tournament and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they, they also figured that out, too, in terms of, like, hey, maybe, uh, you know, like, so I, I'm pretty sure there was 60-minute rounds, and it's, like, 60-minute best of three in this game for, like, set one at least felt like it wasn't enough, but obviously that just can't be the case logistically, you know, like, there's other factors at play, so it's whatever, Um but yeah, like seeing if they're adapting policy and little things like that, where it's just like, what if we increase the amount of rounds in like our, you know, our breakdown, we have this many people, we'll have one extra round. Like, will we increase the top cut from top eight for this one to top 16? Sort of like where Yu-Gi-Oh was at in its infancy as well, where we're like, do you remember? I'm sure you remember this one. The transition from a top eight cut for Shonen Jumps to a uh, top 16 was probably yeah. just like the most ridiculous thing. And then like, think about that 16 to 32. And now it's just always a 32. And I think that's like crazy for me to think about. Like just going back, it's like, I remember when, you know, X1 might not have topped the Y. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. The yeah. X1 might not top. That is insane. I was just thinking about that recently because we were looking back at, we were talking about, Max made the joke that some of Jeff's tops would be in high school now. They're so old. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, like the first, I went to the third Shonen Jump of all time, which was in Ohio. And I went X1 and got like 
15th place or something like that in the very first one. And thinking back then, like, it was only top eight. And I back then, I was like, oh, I went X1, I didn't top. But now, like, if I went X1 at an event and didn't top, I would be pissed. Oh, yeah, you'd, oh, you'd be sick. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, that's so insane. complaining about, like, oh, I went X2 and didn't top. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, but, then, you know, it's Dude, just very... Somebody... I heard somebody in the 250th complaining that one of their friends went X3 and didn't top. And I'm saying they're like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just just like, what is happening? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, it is definitely a different time. I think I don't really have an answer for that for you right now. I think I will maybe have an answer for you once I have played my first big event for this game. I think well, big maybe being relative, but I think next next week after I've played my event and I've had and I've played a premiere event for this game, I'll have an idea of of what I like or don't like about the tournament structure. That's fair. Well, like yeah, tournament structure or like literally anything else like that you think just stands out that you you want them to change, I guess. But I think the yeah. games are so different. I don't really have anything like gameplay wise. Mm. You know, like, 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 I don't know, there, there's, I, I don't really know in, in terms of, in terms of gameplay, because the way they play is so different. Like, uh, also this, this game's on set four and Yu-Gi-Oh's on set like 75, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, like, it's just so far gone. But, but like, I, don't even so know. I, I think that's like, like, like the other cynical thing that comes from playing card games for so long is like. I don't think I'm, you know, I know everything when it comes to like picking up a game and just sitting down and playing it. But it's like, obviously you've seen some shit over time and you can just like look at a game and be like, oh, I don't like this. And it's easy to just not play the game. But if it's like some redeemable qualities and you play it, obviously you have an idea of like, oh, I, I think this should change or this should change. And when it's like early days, you sort of just like sit patiently and hope that they also feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of where I was at with like a bunch of games. I'm like, man, I wonder if they'll change this and, and when they do you feel like very you know vindicated it's like oh this sure. is awesome like this is great yeah i would say that how this game works in in like the very 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 basic basic thing is mm. you essentially essentially every deck has to mill to like play its cards and sometimes you can mill poorly and sometimes you can mill well. And obviously you can build your deck to mitigate that. And the best decks are the ones that get punished the least from those types of things happening. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and that's why I like the deck I'm playing because the deck I'm playing can rearrange the top of my deck. So it very specifically, you know, has a lot of, has a lot of ways to play out of, of the unlucky, of the unlucky mills. But I like obviously when every single deck in the whole game has a mechanic involving milling, there will be some times where you just go, huh, I guess I lose, you know, <laughs> um, like, but, but, but I will say after playing like actual constructed decks, as opposed to just playing like the demo decks, it's much less relevant than I would have originally thought it would be. But obviously you can still have some crazy swings of just like, it's generally just one of those things where it's like, one every 10 games, you might mill three bad cards in a row. And then you're like, oh, well, I could have played out of two of them, but three is crazy. You know, and it's like, you're losing. It, it's essentially like, oh, I lost a 60-40 roll in my favor three times in a row. And it's like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't usually happen. But, 
but it did. But once a tournament, it will. And it's like, okay, you know, so that's something. But, you know, like Yu-Gi-Oh! the same way. Like, you can just draw bad in Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, like, that's, it's whatever. Like, every card game has that. It's just, again, in my opinion, the way it's presented in this game can sometimes feel worse. But I don't necessarily think it's any more or less likely than just drawing bad. I mean, yeah, and, you know, like, the better decks in Yu-Gi-Oh! are the ones that brick less often, generally. Like if a deck breaks a lot, it's not going to be a good deck. So, same same kind of concept, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. I gotcha. So I mean, that wraps up what I wanted to say. I mean, I feel like that was actually a lot. We talked a lot about things I didn't actually expect to talk about. Me I don't too. know how long I didn't. Gone, it's been gone. We had to make time. up for the month that we didn't. Do we a did have to make. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was this was two and one. It's okay, but I think we had a lot of good stuff that we, that, that we talked about, just not necessarily relevant to uh, you know current meta Yu Gi Oh. But hopefully, it was interesting to hear our well, thoughts I, I, on I, other I, games. And I, stuff. I hope that the people listening enjoyed not Yu Gi Oh yeah, talk, yeah. And, and if they didn't, they can let us know in the comments. Yeah. So I bet we have low retention on this episode because there's so much not not Yu Gi Oh. Mm-hmm. So I do think it'll be very few. Be- if you remember last time, I purposely put the question in the comments in the beginning of the video. <laughs> so I might I might make like an annotation or something. I'm not even sure if those still exist <laughs> in, in in the video where like, you know, in, in the beginning. But yeah, um, I guess I'm kind of interested if anyone else, I think the people who are still watching at this point would be the ones that play other games and are interested in listening to what we had to talk about about other games. So if you are still watching and you play any other games, um, or even if you've just thought about playing other games and don't yet, you know, I would be interested to, to hear what other games you play, why you started playing them, or if you don't play other games, why not? Or if you're getting into one, why did you get into it? I know that's a lot of instructions and I apologize, but just talk about any other games you play besides Yu-Gi-Oh! Or if Yu-Gi-Oh! is your only game, why is that, you know? Whether it be people get you into them, and I think a big aspect of it is the social aspect and a big reason Mm. why i didn't play other games previously is because i thought it would be difficult to get other people to play the game you know like i've taught most people most of my friends that i see in in you know like in person frequently how to play the game um so they like know the rules they just don't have decks and they don't play but Mm -hmm. i have been successful in teaching them and we played with with some starter decks and stuff like and I'm sure I'm sure if I do well at this tournament, they'd probably be be more interested because they'll be like, "Oh wow, Ryan actually like put in some time in the game and and he understands it now. Like maybe we can play it, you know." So right. that'll probably be a big thing if I can actually do reasonably well. I'm not expecting to do well. I I have no idea what's going on and I'm just clicking buttons and throwing darts at the wall. But <laughs> mm-hmm. just, I'm know. sure we'll get an extensive tournament report. Oh, you Ryan. will. Oh, you will. Be like wait. round three, I suck. <laughs> you know, like that'll be it. Round three, I lost. I'm terrible. Ah, yeah, very good. Um, I guess something we can talk about next. Uh, I'm... hopefully, uh, we can talk about like Thor Element in uh Master Duel. Right. I didn't want to talk about that yeah. today, but I think it's too late. <laughs> I I, oh, yeah. I think I would I would like a week for it to simmer because I yeah, me too. I gotta tell you, it is probably like the least fun experience on master sure. ladder uh, let's, at all yeah let's give yeah. it a week and we'll and we'll see it let's, you, I, you know. I i feel like I'm, I'm gonna put this out here now for anyone that is listening currently i guarantee you some of these calls will get hit in the next like month minimum yeah i think they just they're like oh we made a mistake like, oh, probably see ya. yeah but we'll see mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, that should do it. Um, thank you, anyone still listening. Even if you're not listening, you know, thank you for making the view count go up. If you even clicked on this video, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah. So I think next time we're going to talk about, hopefully, my experience playing a tournament of this My Hero game. Um, you know, now that I've just now that I've spent so much time on it. And then, um, then I'll be able to answer Bowden's question about, you know, what I think certain games can do better or, you know, worse than Yu-Gi-Oh! or one of the main ones. And then, yeah, I think then we'll be on week two of tournaments in Master Duel. <clears throat> and then maybe we can even look at Cyberstorm Access a little bit. Because we'll be, you know, more, we'll, we'll be, be closer to that. Closer to that. We'll be yeah. two weeks away, actually, at that point. I, I think mm-hmm. we might even we might even do it. We'll probably like, have reveals at that point as yeah. well for, like, any exclusive stuff. Could be interesting. The sneak peek is at the end of the month, right? Or when is the sneak? Uh, Yes. Like, the end of the month and then releases like the first week of may yeah yeah i think that sounds right so let me confirm real quick uh yeah so the sneak peek should be the weekend of the 29th and 30th so if we do it like middle of the week next week it'll be you know a week out from the sneak and hopefully we'll have seen reveals of some of the tcg exclusives and um the imports that'll be fun yeah Okay, cool. So it sounds like a plan. Uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. If you're still here, I commend you. Um, I'll try to get this up as soon as possible on Spotify. It's going to go on YouTube immediately. I'm going to try to get it on Spotify quickly, but <laughs> it might take a while. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.